All right, so we're in a series uh, talking about guardrails. And uh, as I said last week when we did our first uh, in this series, if you didn't hear last week's message, you can get it online, and I'd encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, but uh, I got this title from a pastor down in Atlanta, uh, Andy Stanley, and I, it was just a, just a great title because it so captures a lot of the things that I think the Lord uh, would have us experience and understand in life. Uh, I would say God is really desirous that uh, we live a life of joy and of freedom, but there are lots of uh, risks along the road. So uh, last week I had a bunch of uh, pictures, and I want to show you them again, of uh, scary-looking roads, and uh, there are just a number of, uh, you know, like, is this exciting or is this scary? Would you want to drive on these roads? Uh, or how fast would you like to drive on these roads? And I think my favorite uh, photograph of this bunch, uh, there's the next one there, Blake, is this one. You know, there's just like this precipitous drop-off. You know, it just doesn't feel safe. But that exact same road, if it had a, you know, a really secure guardrail, would be a pretty awesome place to, you know, drive along. I mean, look at the scenery. It's just incredible. And I feel like this is sort of like a picture of for, for life, where God is uh, desirous that we really enjoy the journey, that the journey should be like a good experience. But uh, God does not want us to uh, go over the edge. There are certain risks in life that uh, God is trying to prevent us from uh, experiencing sort of the adversity, but to take reasonable risk and enjoy uh, life the way it should be. So, uh, you know, I want to talk about this today. And uh, I, I, today I particularly want to talk about protecting your money. Uh, what are the guardrails from a biblical standpoint that God has kind of set up so that uh, you could live a life without anxiety when it comes to finances? Uh, and this is actually God's promise to us. And as believers, uh, this is one of the wonderful truths in the Bible that we can really experience. We can experience living life without anxiety. Now, there are a number of um, areas in the road which are risky and where people have kind of gone over the edge and, and we want to look at some of those to prevent you from making bad mistakes, but also uh, to enjoy a life which is full and rich. Now, I've chosen Psalm 112, uh, probably the first pastor in the world to preach 112 at the same breath as uh, a message on, on finances. But uh, here's why. Because Psalm 112 uh, sort of captures what life should be like. Uh, this is the life God desires you to experience. This should be, uh, when you read a psalm like this, there should be a sense where we recognize uh, and identify this in our life. Uh, let, me, let me read it. It's a fairly short psalm. Uh, praise the Lord. Okay, right off the bat, you know, praising the Lord, there's a sense of, uh, focus on God, a sense of thanksgiving, and uh, this is also a good way of living our life where we are praising God and we are praising God because we've experienced God's goodness. And so when we experience God's goodness, we praise God. And, you know, this is a, a cycle that we should be living in. We praise God, we experience God, we praise God. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. 
and delight in obeying his commands. There's something that this psalmist is touching on. He's saying, when we obey what uh, the Lord is asking of us, we experience a joy and a delight, which uh, there's no other way to experience it. Uh, there's a connection with God. There's a sense that God is excited uh, to be blessing us, and we're exciting, excited to experience God's presence. And then the psalm carries on and, and talks about what this actually looks like in practical sense. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. So in other words, if we live in the way the Lord wants us to live, if we obey the things that God wants us to obey, God is telling us that our kids will be blessed. He says they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Now notice again, God is not upset if we become wealthy. In fact, God is desiring that if we obey him, he will prosper us and there's a sense uh, of you know, that's a blessing of belonging. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, they are compassionate, and righteous. Good comes from those who lend money generously and conduct their businesses fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. So, you know, the gist of this psalm, if you just absorb all that's being read, there's a sense of when we live the way the Lord wants us to live, He will bless us, we will have peace, we will have joy, and out of the abundance that we're receiving, we will be wanting to give to others. And then there's this fascinating ratchet effect. As we bless others and as we give out of our abundance, we get so much joy out of that that we actually want to do it again, and so we do it again, and then God blesses us and we do it again, which is, you know, here's a practical example of it. I mean, so many of you have enjoyed the process of uh, either giving money to make this a reality, and we still obviously can always uh, have more money to cover what we're doing. But, you know, from my standpoint, if we don't get enough money, we're going to do it anyway, because this is what we want to do as a church. Now, if you'd like to give to cover the baskets, obviously we would really appreciate that, because we would love these things to be uh, a tradition which we can afford and do on an annual basis. So some of you, just in giving money, it's been a pleasure. For many of you, it's like just assembling the baskets and getting all the ingredients has been tremendously uh, uplifting for you. Uh, for others, uh, it's actually delivering the baskets uh, that is tremendously rewarding and uplifting. And for others, you, you know, you're not part of the process in any way, shape or form, but you just know that it kind of feels right for a church to be doing this sort of thing. So you're just like uh, uplifted and pleased just because as a church we do this sort of thing. And so that's great. Be part of it. Enjoy uh, this sort of giving, abundant, blessed, uh, joyful experience that we do as a church and live out as a church. Uh, so let's just look at some of these um, some of the facets of this. 
And I would say when it comes to guardrails on this journey, the first guardrail that we want to have up is regarding debt. It's not to go over the cliff in getting into debt. Uh, God's desire for us as believers, now the world can live like the world wants to live, but God's plan for financial freedom is actually the best plan of all. And the world often uses these plans. Or should I say it differently, often very wealthy people who aren't believers follow, whether they know it or not, God's principles for for finances. What we need to do as believers is believe God in what God's plans are for his finances. And God is saying one of the big warning signs, one of those scary curves in the road where you really need a guardrail so you don't go over the cliff, is not to get into debt. God's plan is that we are not in debt. This, this is one of the big, like, scary financial mistakes that we make. And the reason it's so scary is because it's so long-term. You know, we make bad financial decisions, and it takes us years to get out of them. So think of the biggest things which cost debt. Buying your house. Buy a house you can afford. I mean, you know, it's not unusual to have a mortgage. Not everybody can pay cash for a house. That, that would be normal kind of prudent financial um, dealings. But to get a house which is beyond your means, that would be like a major warning. It's like, that's a guardrail. What about uh, college debt? It's not only a factor of how smart your kid is and can they get into the, the best college in town. You know, if you're going to go to Boston University and become a teacher and spend $55,000 in debt per year getting your degree, you will spend the rest of your life as a teacher and never pay back your debt. I mean, that's just not a smart decision. Now, it's a whole different kettle of fish if you come from a wealthy family and you can afford to go to Boston College because your parents can pay for it, then go for it and do it. But what I am saying is don't get yourself into debt just because everybody else is doing it. You might have to limit the place that you can go and get your education so that you don't get so snowed up in debt. Now, of course, it depends what you're studying and blah, blah, blah. But just generally speaking, people take debt way too casually and college debt is a major problem. Likewise with credit card debt. There should be no reason under any circumstances to go into college, into credit card debt. If you don't have the money, don't spend it. It really is that simple. The plan should be that you have enough money in your bank account, in your current account, that you can handle the ups and downs of life and get through the difficult seasons. You should not go into credit card debt for any reason. Because there is a trap, there is a cycle. Once you're in credit card debt, you are paying interest. And when you're paying interest, you, you know, every bit of money you're making is just going to pay interest. It's hard to get out of that cycle. In fact, God is saying, get in the exact opposite cycle. You want to be in the cycle where when you sleep at night, people are just giving you money. They're just paying you interest. They, you want to be the bank. You don't want to be the debtor. That, that's actually God's plan for you. Uh, he, he says... Smarten up. Don't, don't be in debt. Uh, and I won't even go into uh, car debt because then it gets way too personal. Uh, but uh, think about that. Just look, at, uh, just look at this psalm, for instance. In the psalm, it says, they are generous. I mean, you don't become generous if you don't have any money. You're generous because you've got the ability to give away and give money. God wants you to be generous. Good comes to those who lend money generously. They share freely and give generous, generously to those in need. 
Good comes to those who lend money generously. God wants you to be the credit card company. He, he, he wants, you know, people to be paying you interest. You want to lend generously. You don't want to borrow generously. I mean, you get the opposite of that? Yeah, you get it. Okay, so the next big deal here, if you can stay out of debt, if you can miss that big, like, you know, heartache in your life, and if you can avoid that mistake, uh, you've gone a long way in financial freedom. The next big uh, guardrail that I think God uh, has for us is to watch out for our greed. Yeah, yeah, that's right, greed. God is saying, don't be greedy. There is a risk here that we can be extremely greedy. And you say, well, I'm not greedy. I just like a little bit more. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the problem. Uh, we always just want a little bit more. Is your salary enough? Well, if I just got a little bit more, I'd be happy. Well, really? Would you? Okay, we always just want a little bit more. It's our human condition. Uh, greed is really a problem for us. Uh, look what Psalm 119 says. Now, I don't have this up on the, the screen, so listen carefully. And you might want to make a note of this in your bulletin insert. Psalm, uh, Proverbs, 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 Proverbs 119. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. If you are greedy, you get robbed of life. What God wants to do, He wants to give you life. He wants to encourage you to do things which are life-giving. He does not want the life to be robbed from you. Proverbs 1.19. How about Proverbs 21.26? Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Always greedy for more, do you want more, more, more? Or do you like giving, giving, giving? And what God is saying, the godly love to give. They love to give. We love to deliver turkey baskets. We love giving. I mean, you know, as you become older, you love to give to your kids. You get, like to give to your grandkids. Uh, and when you're young, you just like to get, get, get. You like to receive, receive, receive. Uh, there's something uh, that God is doing in us where he wants us to become uh, generous. Could our greed be an idol. I mean, if, you, if I said to you, do you worship an idol? Our natural inclination would be, no, I don't have any wooden objects in my house, and I'm not like talking to something that's made out of clay or wood, and I didn't bring something back that's, you know, witchcraft from Africa. Uh, I don't know what worshiping an idol even means. Well, the interesting thing is the Bible in the New Testament tells us that greed is a form of being an idol and worshiping an idol. Look what it says uh, if you would, in Ephesians 5.5. 5. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Worshipping the things of this world. Are you so consumed of the things of this world? Is your desire and your inclination in life just to become wealthy and just to get more and just to become rich? You know, there's a problem here. There's a hook in this. So on the one hand, I think God desires us to be wealthy. He desires to bless us. This is a form of blessing. But He does not desire that we start worshipping wealth. He desires that we worship Him. It's a side benefit that we you know, experience uh, anxiety-free living. There's a, this is just such a, a loaded, as finances would be, area uh, it, within church and within society. 
there's some churches which just preach like prosperity, like everything's just about getting prosperous. I, I'm not like a big fan of that. But I'm certainly not a fan of another type of teaching which uh, is pretty prolific in uh, the Caribbean, South America, and that is this type of teaching. It says that God is only with the poor. And if you're rich, you are evil. And rich people, you know, are just really bad people. And poor people are really blessed people. So if you want to experience God's blessing, be poor. I mean, that's like a kind of a broken paradigm as well. You know, I never experienced such resistance. I was down in the Dominican Republic and we were doing a little seminar on, uh, on how to start your own business and how to be rich and how to make money. I have never spoken in a culture where it would have been easier for me to have spoken about how's your sex life and this is how you should do sex and they would have been like much more receptive to that. When I said this is how you should make money, it was like I was talking about sex life. It was like, well, whoa, whoa we, we can't possibly listen to... I mean, they were literally going back because I was just talking about how, how you can make money. It, there was such a mindset that making money is so evil that even trying to present and helping people trying to get out of poverty, they were just like, whoa, you know, we can actually think about making money and doing it well? Uh, it was a whole new concept. And I was like, whoa, what kind of like teaching or what kind of influence are people under? So on the one hand, we can be ridiculously consumed by just trying to get wealthy. On the other hand, we can be ridiculously consumed by thinking that you know, money is really, really evil and uh, it, it's a problem. So what I am saying is we really do need to watch out for our greed. You know, it's sometimes it's uh, one of these topics which when you've experienced God do like incredible things in your own life, nobody can convince you otherwise. Uh, one of the things that God needed to convert me with when I became a believer, the first thing was like a salvation into Jesus. Like you need to believe in Jesus. That was my first conversion. My second conversion, which came six months later, was I'm going to make you dependent on me and not on money. And let me just tell you, it was painful. Because I was a greedy person. My focus in life was to make as much money as possible. And God like, had another plan for my life. And I, you know, when you talk about God's discipline in your life, believe me, it's not pleasant. But when you look back on it, you say, thank you, Jesus. You saved me a world of hurt. And God had no problem making me completely broke. God had no problem in making my business completely bankrupt. So, you know, if you'd like to me to pray for a blessing on your business, maybe, you know, just come forward. I just pray that God makes your business completely broke, that you are like, oh, you don't like that one. Uh, let me tell you something. It worked for me. It worked for me. Because my very next prayer was, oh, God, oh, God, I'm in debt. I owe all these people all this amount of money. You know, how do I make all these stupid, foolish mistakes? And God was saying, well, you weren't a believer. You just did it the way of the world. You did your own smarts. And your own smarts has turned out not to be that smart. And so let me show you what I want to do. And when I was sitting in my car praying to God, God, look, the stress is getting to me. I can't sleep at night. I don't have enough money. And I've borrowed money from my sister, from my bank, from my friends. And I'm broke. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good place to be. But on the other hand, when you've experienced, experienced, not heard about, but experienced God do things in your life. Do the absolute impossible, the most ridiculous, the most extravagant, the most loving. Y you can't be convinced otherwise. I'm driving to work. 
I've just prayed this prayer. God, look, I'm a, I'm a, it's a complete mess. And I, and I make a bargain with God. I say, God, I'm going to pay back all this money that I owe. I've got to sell this business. I've got to go back into finance, into accounting, where I was from. And, and I'm gonna, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a number of years to dig out of this mess. I get to my work. The phone is ringing. A guy says to me, I want to buy your business. Well, I do what, I mean, I just like, who are you? And he, he tells me who he is. He says, I'm the president of, of Colgate Palmolive, which it was a Unilever. It's a fairly big uh, company. Uh, and he says, I want to buy your business. And I'm like, who are you? I mean, I just assumed it was one of my friends, you know, yanking my chain. I mean, that's the kind of friends I had. You know, they were just like, you know, when you're miserable, they just make you feel more miserable. And so I'm just blowing the guy off. I'm blowing the guy off. And I'm telling him, who are you? Who are you? And finally, he's like, he's really getting annoyed. He said, listen, this is the last time I'm telling you I am. Do you want to sell your business or not? And I'm like, sure I do, but you know it's broke. Do you, you want to see my balance sheet? My, he says, I don't care about your balance sheet or your PL. My wife is bored. She needs a hobby. I want to buy your business, will you? <laughs> really happened. And let me tell you, in a month later, I'd sold my business. And out of the profits of that business was the first time I was able to tithe, which I was really, really excited to do. And you cannot convince me otherwise not to want to tithe or to want to be dependent on God. You know, it, that was just like such a freeing moment for me. Never get in debt again, Rob. Just like you're allergic to debt. Always be dependent on God. You want to be blessed. Just like make sure you're always generous and giving and tithing to, to the local church. I mean, I, that was a lesson I learned in that, that you couldn't convince me otherwise. I, it was just a huge uh, discipline from the Lord and a huge blessing from the Lord. And it's been a lifelong lesson. We think that we can serve God and we can serve money. We know what the Bible says. It says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. But we always think like we are smart, like we're super smart, we're smarter than Jesus. We can serve two masters, like we can really love money and we can really love God. And, you know, I'll prove it by, you know, not being generous and not doing what God asks, but asking and praying for God to bless me with everything else and not do what God is asking us to do. And God says, you can't do it that way. You can't serve two masters. It says, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved in money. I mean, the Bible could not be more succinct, clear, you know, in this area. It's, it's really a life-giving verse. And the way you can test your own heart in this is what do you think about all week long, if you were like me, all I thought about was, how can I make another scheme to make money? What would be another business that might be a money-making like winner? You know, how could I sell this business? And that's, I was 100% consumed. That's all I would think about all the time. Now, on the other hand, if you're thinking all week long, oh God, you are so good. God, I see that you're working in my heart this way. Oh God, look how you've blessed me this, this week. Oh God, I, I sense your presence. Are you, are you thinking about God all week long or are you thinking about money all week long and how you're going to get money? Or maybe you're in that very unfortunate position where you are so anxious, your life is so like you're in such dire straits that you're just trying to think, oh God, oh God, oh God, help, help, help. I, you know, just, I need to get out of this mess. I need to get out of this mess. Uh, being there, done that, as I said. But God wants you to be living a life of joy of no anxiety over finances, of being generous, of experiencing the fullness of life. That's what God would have for us. The other guardrail would be uh, against, uh, against anxiety. 
God is saying you need to put a protection on this road that you are not consumed with anxiety. God does not want you to go over the cliff of anxiety. God is saying in very uh, simple uh, wording that we need to be dependent on Him. Look at the promise that Jesus is talking about here. It is a wonderful, incredible promise. The question is, are you experiencing this promise and this blessing? Listen to what it says. This is Matthew 6, 25 uh, through 34, and I'm just taking pieces of it. This is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I mean, you know, Jesus is just like so like specific here. It's like, trust in me. Jesus is saying, believe in me. Like, put your feet into action. Put your checkbook into action. Believe in me and ex experience a life where you don't have to have financial anxiety and worry. Uh, we, part of our faith walk is experiencing God's love. And when we experience God's love, we say, thank you, God, for how you've loved us. And when we experience God, God's love and we thank Him for God's love, it's like a ratcheting effect. It, we experience more of His love. And it's like that with our finances. When we are generous and we give, we see that God starts blessing us. And when we see and notice how God's blessing us, it encourages us to want to give again or give more. And as we give more, we see God's blessing us. So, you know, it's not like this ridiculous leap of faith and it's like, whoa, just hope like something's going to happen. No, it's like small little leap. Like, okay, God, you've come through. Okay, let me do my part. I'll come through. Then God comes through. And we have this ability to, to step up. You know, we, I found this magnet on my fridge. I don't know how it got there, but, you know, like here's what it's on my fridge. Good morning. This is God. Today, uh, I'll be handling all your problems. I won't need your help. So relax, and I can't read the rest, and leave everything to me. Yeah, I don't know, let's put it up there, I thought it was a good one, so yeah, good morning, you know, God's in control, just, we need a reminder every day, relax, just let God do it, he's got it under control. One of the things that God is asking us to do, and to protect your money, and to protect your money is to, is to tithe. It's a guardrail. Protect your money by tithing. This is the most counterintuitive thing in the world. It, it makes absolutely no sense. When I was trying to get rich, I was trying to get money from everybody. The, giving money away was not part of the equation for getting money. It just doesn't add up. You just take, you give, you, you know, like manipulate. But in the kingdom, it's the exact opposite. There's this crazy thing. If you want to guard your finances, the first thing you do is you give it to God. The test that God is giving you is like, will you tithe? And tithe, by the way, means 10%. Dictionary definition. Wow, God wants 10% of my money? Oh, yes, he does. Uh, the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That's like a huge amount of money. But you know what? Something inside of me, now I can't speak for you, but something inside of me, it's like, that's a great challenge. I, 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 want, to, I want to do this. I want to honor God and when God blessed me out of like bankruptcy, believe me, it was not difficult to tithe out of those profits. I'm like, God, it was clearly you. The last thing in the world I can do is rob you now. You know, so 
just think of these concepts. In the book of Malachi, Old Testament, uh, there's this idea of robbing God. And you've got to ask yourself that question, are you robbing God? And God says, you're robbing me if you don't give me 10%. So it's kind of like a, a tough topic because on the one hand, God says, don't rob me. And who wants to rob God? On the other hand, God is saying, I really want to bless you and like, be blessed. And then you say, this takes a huge amount of faith. Of course it takes faith. That's the whole point. God is saying, do you believe in me? Do you trust me? If you do, he has a practical way of doing it. Now, I understand that, you know, for some, it's a minority position. They would say, look, you know, tithing is an Old Testament concept. You don't want to do that in New Testament. The unfortunate thing is it's, I don't believe it is. I believe it's a, a, a God uh, perspective. You know, we see in the book of uh, Genesis this mysterious figure, uh, Melchizedek. And Abraham comes along and he gives him, he tithes 10% to him. And then we go in the New Testament and we read in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 7, who this Melchizedek guy is. And it's like, he's like a Jesus guy. I mean, we don't know about his parents, and uh, he's like a priest, and uh, it just seemed totally appropriate for Abraham. How Abraham decided 10%, who knows? But he knew this was the number. And so uh, we look at a New Testament, Old Testament, before the law was even put into effect, We've got tithing going on. We've got a great example, and it's reinforced in the New Testament. Other people say, look, I'm not going to tithe. I'm just going to give service. You know, I'll help out. I'll you know, bring some baskets. I'll pay for the baskets. I really like it when the church is generous. So my tithing is I'm going to give money towards the baskets. I would say that's offering. That's over and above tithing. God is, tithing is like I'm going to give 10% to this church with no strings attached. I'm not going to like allocate it to this ministry or this mission or this person or this cause. God is just saying, can you just like give it to this church? That's tithing. Everything else you do over and above that, God is saying, well, that's offerings. And let me just say this. The tithing thing is like the low bar. It's not like, okay, we're tithing, I'm good to go. I mean, look what Jesus says in the New Testament about tithing. He says, you know, it's good to tithe. Jesus is having his Luke. Jesus is having an argument, and the Pharisees are always trying to trick him. And he, Jesus says, look, you should tithe. In fact, you're so worried, you like allocate your spices like so minutely, like am I good with God? And he says, you should do that. That's good. Tithe. And then he just kind of moves on, like that's not the big deal. That's not like the real topic. God is asking us uh, to tithe. It's sort of like a a big deal in our Christian walk, in our dependency. Can we do this? Can we follow God in this way? What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, herb garden, if you're American, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You know, so for God, for Jesus, like, yeah, tithing, it's not really a big deal. Move on. Let's get the more important things. Let's, let's, let's enjoy uh, where we're going on this. I, as I said, I, I do think that this is a, a low bar, like, get this concept, but it's not the end game. God is asking us to be uh, extremely generous and to live accordingly. And I don't think it's just like this ridiculous idea. Like I said, I think as we do this, we see God's blessing. When we experience God's blessing, it encourages us to say, yeah, we can do this. Now, 
you know, everybody's got a starting point. I, I don't know for you if you go like from zero to one to two to three. For me, in my personal life, it was from zero to ten, you know. And then once it was ten, it's like, wait a bit, I think it's actually more than this. It's more generous than this. And so I just want to encourage you to do this. Now, in most uh, churches, uh, what we would do now is uh, we would pass the basket around and I would uh, give a pretty long and extended uh, high-pressure talk that if you give, you're going to be hugely blessed. And if you don't, well, you know, everybody else is, so you're kind of like a loser. And, <laughs> and, and yet you will know pretty well that we don't pass the basket here. And I'll tell you why. Because we're trying to uh, adhere to a different uh, principle here, which we, we pick up. In 2 Corinthians, uh, I'm going to jump to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So the classic, you've heard it, the teaching is, sow generously, show, sow generously, and right now, as we pass the basket around, sow generously, and then that's kind of like where the, the sermon ends, and then you go home. But the verse actually carries on. It says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. You need to decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. That's never preached in the same line. And I'm telling you, I want to preach that. You should not give because you are feeling reluctant, because you don't want to. I'm not trying to manipulate you into this. And you should do so freely. It says... Uh, and don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. Always be generous. I mean, that's God's promise. It's not because someone's trying to manipulate you. It's because you want to. And you decide. It's on your own terms. And God is saying, you can either be robbing me or I can be opening a door for blessing. It's absolutely true. But it is a faith walk and God understands your situation and your walk. He wants to bless you. Uh, let me just say it this way for many asking a practical question like, how do you do this if you don't pass the basket around? Well, let me just say this. For most people in this church, and not all, but for most people, they've done this. They've sat down, they've wrestled with the scripture, They've given it some thought, and they said, okay, this is what my, my estimated approximate annual income was going to be. I want to settle this deal once and for all. And they decide how much they're going to give, and they set up in motion like I have personally with, you know, I'm Middlesex Savings Bank, and they have a, a billy where you can do your check writing through them, and I just have a standard payment. I just, it's the same amount every month. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to, like, you know, it's like I'm making a commitment to the Lord. It's like... I don't have to decide each week, like, how am I feeling? No, I'm feeling good about Jesus. I've made that decision. I'm always going to feel about good about Jesus. I don't have to, like, worry about, you know, week by week whether I have enough good feelings about Jesus. I, I do. So decide freely. Uh, you decide. It is a faith test. It absolutely is testing your faith. And uh, God really does want you to do it in a way where this forces us to be dependent on Him and God really does want us to be observant of the ways that He blesses us in our life. So uh, let me just end there. Why don't we have the uh, worship team uh, come on up uh, and uh, let's just take some time as we're worshiping. Just 
think about not like, you know, the financial side. I think, think about the blessing side. Think about what God has done in your life and how you would like God, uh, you know, how you would like to respond to what God has done in your life. Why don't you stand and uh, let's, let's worship. Jesus, we just hand you over our finances. Uh, Lord, we hand you over our anxiety. We hand you over the good decisions we've made and the bad decisions we've made. We acknowledge, Lord, that we need your help. Uh, Lord, we all desire to be blessed financially. Lord, we desire to walk in the way that you would have us walk. Lord, we, we know that you are testing our faith, that on a routine basis, you desire that we are dependent on you. And Lord, right now, we choose to focus on you. We choose to worship you. We choose to see the good things that you have done and are doing in our life. We lift our lives up to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.